men heard the Lord pray. And they wanted to tap into what he had a hold of. And so real prayer, I believe real prayer, in model prayer and the pearl of prayers is found in our text. I'll read the text, pray, and you can be seated. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Give us this day. Let me pause right quick. Ain't you glad you're going home to a place that everything up there is his divine will? Amen. Look here, Give verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And Jesus said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. I pray, God, that you'd help us to preach in the power and the Holy Ghost. And, uh, Lord, I, I don't want to just go through some form and fashion. Uh, Lord, this is a knowledge deeper uh, than my mind can comprehend in this text. And I just pray uh, that you would pull our feet under the school table of heaven. That you'd pull our feet under the supper table of heaven. And that you'd pull our feet under the soldiering table of heaven. I pray that we leave the day having our soul fed. I pray, God, that we leave today uh, being ready and fit for the fight. I, I pray, Lord, that today uh, we leave having learned something. Uh, Lord, even about this familiar text today. Lord, help us to glean something and Lord, just give out a little of what you've put in. And we'll thank you, God. Help us, Lord, I pray to do your will. Preach us through us and Lord, get glory. Save sinners. I pray you touch saints. Stir our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would allow me just for a little while this morning or tonight, I want to preach on these thoughts, the pearl of prayer. I, you could title it the, the trilogy of truth within the text. I believe there is at least three parts of this prayer that God would have us to deal with. Notice, first of all, it starts out, Our Father. We know right off the bat that it is a family prayer. <laughs> Woo! Hey, if you're not in the family, you can't play this prayer. Amen. Thank God I, we always hear about the fatherhood of, of God and, and the Son of God is Father to them who have separated themselves by faith who have responded to the call of God. Everybody's not going to heaven. Everybody can't pray this prayer. It is a family prayer. You could say it like this. It is a child's prayer because it says our, but then it says Father. I'm glad there's a Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. Woo, thank God where I can cry, Abba, Father. I can say, uh, 
Hey, Daddy, it's me, our Father, the, the Trinities that, that we look at in this text. Uh, I notice it says, uh, it's talking to the whole Godhead. Uh, God the Father, hallowed be thy name. Uh, God the Son, thy kingdom come. And uh, God the Spirit, thy will be done. I'm glad the, the Holy Ghost uh, is a moving among God's people, uh, working out the Godhead plan. I say amen. I thank God it says these words, our Father. Now I want you to notice with me, if you will, the pronoun used. It is a plural pronoun. It does not say my Father, but it says our Father. We can say it like this, Brother Chris, when that man came to this church, he said one time, he said, I'm not coming back I've been raised in a Methodist church and I don't understand this kind of worship. And there's one thing that bothers me is when you pray, y'all pray together. And it confuses me. And, and I said, we wasn't talking to you. Amen. We was talking to God. When can you ever pray when somebody else in the world's not praying anyhow? This is a a plurality. He said, our Father. We're not alone in the audience with the Lord. Amen. Jesus used this term. We realize that no man can come to the Father except by Him. That's what He told us. He said in the Word of God, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes from the Father but by me. I'd say amen. When He prayed oftentimes Jesus would use this term Father. It reminds us of a compassion. Now, I know that my boys, if they ask me something, I'm going to try my best to do it. I would probably do it for anybody, but I'm going to try real hard if my boys ask me. There's a relationship there. Hey, we're in the same. What I'm saying is uh, we've got a connection uh, that never will be separated. We have an audience that will never be excluded from. Thank God we've got a, a calling number. Jeremiah 33.6 is his phone number. He said, call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great mighty things, which thou knowest not. Hey, there is an, an indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost that enables us to have the right to cry our Father. Now, I want you to think about this. When I thought about this word, Father, here's what I thought about. I thought about, well, if, if, we, are, if we are allowed to call him Father, that means we are, according to 1 Corinthians, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, pinned down by the man of God, Paul. He said, if we'll come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. He said, I'll be to you a father and ye shall be my sons and daughters. We've got that privilege because we've been born again. We can call him, amen, father. So if that's true and he calls us sons and daughters, then we are his children. And the Bible tells us that in the book of Galatians, that we are the, Galatians 3.26, that we are the children of God 
by faith. We know that we have a right to pray this prayer. So I'm talking to a group tonight. I'm trying to preach to a crowd tonight that I want y'all to be reminded this is not just some memorization. This isn't just some little uh, uh, prayer that's inside the stuffed animals down at Walmart on the toy aisle. Uh, this isn't, this is a, the pattern that Jesus gave his followers that if you want to learn how to pray, here's how you ought to pray. Uh, realize I'm your father. He said, our father, amen. Notice if he says our father, uh, there is a tenderness there. There is a, there's a sense of compassion. So there's a tenderness that we can embrace. As a child, we expect discipline. He's our father and we're his child. If you can get away with sinning and live in any way you want to and never feel convicted about, man, I feel like preaching right there. Hey, I, if, if you feel like you can just live any old wicked way and then come and act like everything's all right every time the doors is open, hey, the Bible says this, Hebrews 12, 8, discipline is indicative of the love of God. For whom he loveth, he chasteneth. Amen. We know that we're one of his legitimate children because we get taken to the woodshed. Amen. I'm, I'm going to put it like this. Problem. Now, in my house, it's different. In, in my, in, in my, the patriarch, my grandfathers, all his kinfolk, it was different. According to him, anybody could whoop anybody's kid. But I'll say like this, I mean, I, I got a whooping from a grandpa. My daddy found about it. I got a whooping from him. If it was against my grandma, my uncle whooped me, and my aunt whipped me just because she could. I never got so many whoopings. I learned one thing. Don't do grandma wrong. Are y'all following me? Hey, hey, but uh, listen, according uh, to most common thinking, a father only has the right Amen. And according to biblical truth, a father only has the right to chasten their own children. You ought to thank God today that you can't get away with sin. You ought to thank God for conviction when a red flag goes up. Woo! I won't say thank God for conviction. There ain't no telling where I'd be without it. I thank God. Amen. Thank God. We think about children expecting discipline. They know you love them because you chasten them. If you put standards up and guardrails and guidelines and rules and bylaws and you put those up in your home, hey, mama, I, I just want to let you know, don't think it's going to be bad children. It's because they love you. If they didn't love you, there wouldn't be no standard. You could just do anything you want to. You could just check. Y'all might as well say, I believe this, that God wants us to have some children expect discipline. Amen. And not only do children expect discipline, I believe this as a child, we are expected to do our father's duties. Hey, listen, when I tell my boys take out the trash, I don't want them to tell me these things. Uh, Daddy, when I get done with this, oh no, oh Oh, I'm already starting to take it off. No, I don't want to hear that. Delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Preach on, preacher. Y'all daddies can thank me after a while. Y'all know that's right. Listen, when you tell them to do something, you expect them to do it. Not only that, you want them to have a desire to do it. 
Haman, not mumble under, under their breath as they walk off. That sorry rascal, I get out of his house. I won't have to do nothing no more. That ain't what you want. You want them to have a desire to do it. I'm going to tell you what, this is the honest truth. I'd come home sometimes and I'd be wore out and uh, them little kids, they couldn't hardly do nothing. I'd be out there trying to work on the house and them little youngins would come out there and hold boards for me. Hey man, they, they'd uh, hold measuring tapes for me. I, they, they delighted to help daddy do their will. I, I just appreciate the fact that as a child, we ought to be expected to do the duties that our father gives us. It ain't much, but we ought to show up when the doors are open, say amen. We ought to hand out a track once in a while. We ought to pray once in a while. We ought to meditate on the scripture once in a Hey Amen, I better move on. Thank God. Hey Amen, I thought, I thought I could go through this quicker. A child ought to exhibit some distinctiveness. Let me put it like this. There, ain't, there is no doubt in my mind. I didn't even know she was going to be here. There is no doubt in my mind that little girl back yonder is Janine's. No doubt, mama. Am I right? Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. There is no doubt in my mind that little booger running around. Hey, man, right over yonder belongs to Chris. It is without question there are some similarities. Hey, let me, Brother Edgar Thomas, old great man of God, one of my mentors, here's what he told me. He said, all Thomases have webbed feet. Our little toe and the next toe have skin that ties them together. Did you know that, Brother Dwayne? Brother Edgar Thomas said, there's all you can tell if they belong to the family by some great God. They ought to be some similarities. Woo! There ought to be some similarities among God's house. Hey, today's world, people's got so many versions and so many ideas and spins on the Bible. If you take the average church crowd together in a group, mix them up with the world, shake them up, you couldn't even separate them. But thank God for a crowd that looks like the Father. Say amen. Amen, a crowd. We ought to love to do the duties. Amen. We ought to expect discipline. We ought to exhibit some likenesses, some distinctives. A child ought to embrace some directions. Our Father means we're ready to get some instruction. Amen. Thank God. I'm going to believe this. Jeremiah 10, 23. Here's what he says. It tells us this, that we are to, uh, we are, he shows us the steps we're to take. Matter of fact, Psalms even says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I was in the army, and, uh, and I'm not, it's just the truth of it. Our platoon uh, won every parade marching ceremony. I loved it. Hallelujah. That wasn't because we was the best. It's because our drill sergeant was the meanest. I'm serious. He like a bulldog. If you didn't win, you was going to pay for it all night. Hey, and grass drills. So we tried to win every one. And that man out under that platoon, hey, it didn't matter what command he give, none of that crowd back talk, none of that crowd information. I'd like to see a private go up to a general and say, you don't have a right to tell me. But friend, can I say, a bunch of folks who claim to be saved, they don't like God telling them how to live their lives. But a Christian, hey, 
saying. If we're saying father, we ought to be the kind of children that are obedient, that want to get some instructions. Would y'all agree with that? We ought to enumerate, uh, the. in other words, thank God we ought to put it in our lives and we ought to put it out for others. If we get mercy, we ought to show mercy. If we get grace, we ought to show grace. If we get forgiveness, we and that's in the text I'll get to in a minute, we ought to give. It's an evident truth that you've been forgiven when you can forgive others. In fact, I like what one man of God, believe it or not, he even said some good things once in a while. Martin Luther said it like this. Don't hold that against me. He did say some good things. Martin Luther said this one time. He said this. He said, if a man has truly repented, it's easy for him to forgive. But if he can't forgive, it's only evidence that he's never repented. I say, amen. Hallelujah. Hey, if you ever realize what all God forgave you, it'll be easy for you to forgive others. Amen. Thank God. We ought to give out what we get. We ought to endure a child ought to endure the delays of the daddy. Hey, can I put it like this? My boys, sometimes they know that we're fixing to go somewhere. Daddy, we ready yet? No. Daddy, we ready yet? No. Daddy, son, if you ask me one more time, I ain't even going to go. Boy, I'm glad my heavenly father ain't like that. I get impatient sometimes and I'll say, Lord, hey, can't you fix this thing right here? Hey, but you know what the Bible says? To be still and know he's God. We ought to expect the delay and we ought to be patient in the delay. Hey, we ought to endure the delays. A child should emphasize the deeds of the father. A child should enjoy, hey man, just being one of the family. Hey, I'm just glad today that when I think about this word our father I'm thinking about the tenderness that a child has that he can say our father hey and if an earthly father will take care of an earthly child the Lord said how much more will your heavenly father take care of your every need not just your earthly needs but your every need I say amen there is a tenderness that ought to be embraced there's a throne established. Amen. He said, heaven, amen. Y'all know this. He said, uh, our Father which art in heaven, uh, which art in heaven. He said, I know where you're at. Our Father which art in heaven. Heaven is God's house. We know that. Amen. It just all that tells us is our Father is above all of the universe. That just magnifies his infinite immensity. Hey, he's more than all the galaxies. Somebody asked me one time, and I'm not Brother Sorrels. They said, how many galaxies do we have? How big is the universe? I said, well, you can't measure God. It might be immeasurable but that's not the point hey a spaceship can get up to where the stars are a plane can get up yonder where the clouds are but to get to the third heaven you gonna have to be born again oh hey just being saved will take you further than anything in this world amen we established the fact amen our father which art in heaven, I'm glad he's my daddy. Amen, I'm glad that I'm his son. And then notice this, the thrones entreated. He uses this word, hallowed. I love this little word, hallowed. 
This word hallowed means carries the idea of, of uh, holding itself holy, being holy within itself. It permeates holy. It, it carries the idea that it that in the nucleus of all that this word is, everything around it is affected by its holiness. You can say it like this. God's holiness demanded judgment on sin. God don't turn a black eye to sin. He don't turn away from your sin. Your sin's got to be judged. But what his holiness demanded, his love accomplished at Calvary. His holiness demanded perfection. His holiness demanded justice. His holiness demanded death. And Jesus said, I'll pay the debt. I'll lay my life down. I feel like having a running fit tonight. Glory to God. The only reason we can say our Father is because Jesus paid our debt that we couldn't pay. Hey man, it was like the song says, a debt he didn't owe and a debt I couldn't pay. I say amen. Oh my, I might have to get them girls learn that one. Hallelujah. He's above all. Everything he is is holy. His attributes is holy. Amen. His, his aim is holy. His attitude is holy. His actions are holy. Everything God ever does is holy. Have you ever thought that God never had a bad thought? Have you ever thought that everything that God is, his love, his mercy, all connected to his holiness, the a sinner of all that he is is holy. That's why the seraphims cry holy, holy, holy. I'll say amen. He is holy. And so we approach our Father with a sense of reverence. We start praying amen with a sense of worship. So you could say it like this. If you look at this prayer in three steps that you've got to get into that place where you know he's your father and you know you're one of his children. If you're not saved today, be a good day to get saved. For if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou shalt be saved. What do you got to believe? That Jesus died and rose again. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession, it's, that's how easy it is. For by grace, through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. The wages of our sin was death. But the gift of God's eternal. You can't be in the family today. You can be one of his children. You can say, our father. So you got to get that part right. Then notice, here's how you got to pray. When you realize that, once you realize that tenderness, thank God that you've embraced, that you've been born again, that you've surrendered your life and got saved, that your faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It don't matter what you've done, sir. Ma'am, it don't matter where you've been. It don't matter how long you've been in it. it hey, hey, it's a what. It's a whatsoever. It's a whosoever, but it's not a whensoever. It's when he calls and he draws, then you can come get saved. I say amen. Thank God. He went to Calvary to draw generally, but aren't you glad one day he spoke to your heart specifically. Hey man, thank God. We know that we can cry our Father. So we've embraced that tenderness. Now look at this. We need to entreat the throne. He says, 
in verse number two, we know who we're talking to is holy. Hallowed be thy name. And let, me, let me say this before I go right on. Whew, thank you, Lord. Let me remember this. This word, when you say, hallowed be thy name, when you put that together with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be, when you put that phrase together, you're actually surrendering your obedience. Here's what it, it sets up this picture. You're saying, you're, oh God help me, thank you Lord. Woo, I had a little running fit when I found this in the study this morning. Hey, that's what I thought I woke you up, amen. Hey, this, this is what he's saying. He's saying this, you're holy and I want to be just like you. <laughs> I want to behave like I believe you are. Oh my God, help me Lord, hallelujah. Now think about this. In verse two, he's saying, thy kingdom come. I love that. This kingdom, I know everybody here probably knows, but the word kingdom means the realm of his rule. So a king of England would be ruler over all that landmass and territories that belong to Great Britain, England. Whoever is the king, amen, if we had one of the United States, he'd be king. Lord, don't let me get sidetracked. I really want to get in there a little bit, but I, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Amen, Miss Keisha. Say amen. If you was a king of the United States, the realm that you had absolute authority over would be everything, including territories that belong to the United States. Well, we're talking about the king of kings. I'd like to ask you, what is he not in charge of? Woo! Hey, it don't matter what street it's on. Wall Street, Pennsylvania Avenue. It don't matter if the Kremlin. It don't matter where it's at. He's in control of it. Oh, I'm so glad he is. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. He's called the king of glory in Psalms 24. He, in Revelation 19, he's called the king of kings. But think about this. He said, thy kingdom come. Now, when we pray, we're embracing that truth that it's a family prayer. It's prayed by a child to his father. As a child, we expect some stuff. And some things are expected of us. And we can go to him expecting his attention, his aim, and his actions will be on our behalf. Oh, yes. But when we get to the second verse, hey, we're not only acknowledging hey, and embracing, we're, we are in pro approaching and entreating his throne. We're recognizing that he's in charge and sovereign over everything. I love preaching on them ants. I hope the Lord let me preach on them again. I love preaching on them ants. You know why I love preaching on them ants? Brother Dwayne, they prepare their meals all summer long for winter and they didn't have no in university to train them. There's something innate. There's something unseen controlling them. I love them spiders. 
It don't matter how many times. It's like they have a right to be where the king's at. I love them locusts. They, they, they don't, <laughs> the wind just takes them. The Holy Ghost just takes them wherever. Great God, I like them little rabbits. Hey man, they have no protection of their own, but they can run to the rock. Somebody help me. Hey, I'm saying this. It don't matter how weak you are. It don't matter how little you are. Hey, can I just put it like this? Bill Gates would go broke in two weeks if he tried to feed the birds. And they I've never seen a bird in a soup line. I've never seen a bird over there at the soup kitchen. Hallelujah. God takes care of them. If he takes care of them, how much more are we? Amen. Hallelujah, church. They're, they're, when we use that word, thy kingdom come. Let me, let me just say this. I can't get past you. That thief on the right side even knew that man had a kingdom and that he was a king. Nobody else spoke up about him being innocent but the thief on the right side. And by the way, he's the one that said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's a prophetic truth. That is a prayer of faith. Amen. He said, when thou comest into thy... Do you realize when the thief saw him? Why he's being crucified? Every bone's out of joint. You can't... He's hanging there unrecognizable according to Isaiah on the cross at what looks like his weakest moment, but he turned the tree into a throne and controlled the very minute, second he died. That thief recognized that that sign over his head is real. He is the king, but not just of the Jews. He's my king. Amen. I'm glad he has a kingdom. Amen. It's not of this world, but I'm glad he controls things even up in this world. All powers get in. When we say that kingdom come, <laughs> we're saying this. There's an expectation when the kingdom comes. It'll be an end to our longing. <laughs> Creation, Romans 8, groaneth and travaileth for redemption. Creation wants the Lord to come back. Th those saved want the Lord to come back. Hey, our prayer ought to be, thy kingdom come. I'm gonna tell you right now, you know what's gonna fix this world? Nothing. But Jesus, amen, that's it. You wait till King Jesus gets here. He'll fix it all, amen, amen. The end of the longing. We, we, we can pray like John did over our, John Revelator, Revelation 22, 20. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be our prayer. It's the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day. I'm looking for it. I'm expecting it. Hey, when he comes, when his kingdom comes, hey, when it finally comes, it'll be the end of my longing. I'll get to have what I've been longing for. Oh, man. Listen, my wife and I, some of y'all know this. We got four boys here. We got five kids over yonder. <laughs> I got more to go to heaven for. Amen. I'm telling you, I've never seen them. Y'all don't have to believe this. Most folks think I'm crazy anyway when I say this. 
It's, I'm not trying to quote no scripture. I've got some things I think that point to it, but I'll tell you if I ever do this, I, this is my opinion only. I believe it's biblical based, but it's only my opinion. Hey, if a lion in the millennial kingdom is going to be led by a little kid, if the saints are going to come back and reign with the Lord, it's of my opinion, Brother Jared, of my opinion, that when people die, them youngins die, when all them thousands that die, I would say if lives mattered so much, they quit killing them at the abortion clinic. Somebody ought to say amen. I'll leave it alone if you say amen. Hey, man, y'all know I'm right. Preach on, preacher. Hey, man, hallelujah. Value every life. Somebody say amen. That's right. Great God, help me, Lord, to move on. Brother, brother I believe this. I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to be like him. Y'all agree with that? When did he die? 33 and a half years. I'm 48 now. I'm looking forward to getting a glorified body back to 33. My wife says she's tired of being short. Her glorified God body's going to be 33 and a half, but it's going to be six foot tall. I can't tell her that. All I know is I believe we're going to be about 33 and a half. I just believe that. You don't have to agree with it, but here's what I do think. I think them babies might grow up during the millennial reign. Now, you don't have to agree with that, but you ain't got no scripture to disprove me. Hey, I, this is what I think. I'm gonna get to see them babies one way or the other when I get to the other side. Hey, I'm longing for heaven. And church, what I'm saying is glory is real and we are gonna get to enjoy it one day. Amen, I hope I didn't lose too many of you there. End of a longing. This, when you say thy kingdom come, you're not only, you're talking about an end, a longing going to end one day. You're enthroned in the Lord. You're recognizing him for who he is. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to get to enjoy liberty when we get over there. Romans 8, put it like this, glorious liberty. I like the liberty we have down here, but over yonder, we're going to have glorious liberty. Thy kingdom come. Then he says this, thy will be done. It shows there's two wills. Why even put it in there if there wasn't two wheels in constant conflict? Man's will and God's will is conflicting. They're saying, Jesus is saying, when you want to know how to pray, hey, it's written down here, disciples, followers of God, if you want to know how to get a hold of God, hey, come in an adoration. Come embracing the compassion. Come entreating the throne. Come recognizing that I have a kingdom and I am a king. And one day, hey man, all your longings will be realized. One day, all the liberty you desire will be enjoyed. And when that comes, thank God God, you won't worry about all your problems down here. Hey, I'm saying it like this. You're going to enjoy the liberty and those wheel conflicts between flesh and, and, and God will finally be over. Here's what I'm saying. If your flesh is as mean as mine, you're going to be glad when you get a glorified body. I don't, hey, this is hard to be our prayer. Until we get there, Please, Lord, let your will be done on earth and in it as it is in heaven.
See, there's a conflict, Brother Chris. That's what keeps us going in the wrong direction when we do go in the wrong direction. It's because we need to recognize his will is providential. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. I told somebody like this. It's the only way I know to explain it. I can't really wrap my, my mind around eternity except to think about it like a train. If the front end of that train was so far in the future that I couldn't even imagine and the caboose of that train was so far in the, in the past that I couldn't imagine. And somewhere along that train, there was my car. God is sitting in the front, in the back, and in the center at the same time. <laughs> He's not constrained by time. That just blows my mind. I don't know if y'all, hey, it might be too serious. I know this. He's everywhere at one time. He's already been where I'm going. Hey, man, he's already been where I, I say hallelujah. He's the best thing. He's providential. He knows the mud holes. He knows the problem. He knows the trouble. So why don't we pray thy will be done? I don't want my will to be done. If I'm thinking my will be done, it's short-sighted. If I get in my car when it gets dark and I turn on the headlights, I can see light. Uh, maybe if I turn them on bright and I use that little thing and flip them up as high as I can, I might can see about 30 feet. That's it. But God sees all the way to my house, all the way to my end, all the way to my eternity. He sees everything in between. I'm so glad he's providential. Hey, man, his will is providential. Hey, can I put it like this? His will's paramount. Did he not say in Matthew 6, if you'll, if you'll just think like this, if you'll pray like this, if you'll live like this, put me first and everything else is going to be taken care of. If we'll just seek him first and his kingdom, everything else, all the worries of the Gentiles, the clothing, the food, the house, everything that we worry about in this life will be taken care of if we'll put God first. Now, you may sit there and say, Preacher, I, I've put him first every way in my life. I, I can't say that. I think I fell short sometimes. I think sometimes my will gets in his way. I think some, and it's not necessarily that it's bad. My, my will's bad, but it just ain't right. Hey, his will is always right. Moses was going to deliver the children of Israel, but he got ahead of God, and God had to put him 40 years on the backside of a desert before God let him bring them out. I'm just saying, God has a timing. That's right. So when we pray, we're embracing that tenderness of a family, of a child, of a father. We're entreating the throne. He's a king, he has a kingdom. And we're praying until we enjoy that kingdom, until we, amen, rule in that kingdom with him, until we enjoy him reigning, amen, on planet earth, I believe for a thousand years, and living with him forever in glory. Hey, we just have to trust his will's paramount, his will's providential, amen. His will is proven, his will's praiseworthy, his will ought to be shouted about. But I'm gonna say this, his will will's playing, knowing what the will of God is. The devil is the author of confusion, not God. So everybody say amen. So there's an invocation. It's the beginning of the prayer. Worshiping God, honoring God. Amen, recognizing who he is. But then comes the petition in the prayer. 
Notice they some words. Give us, forgive us. Amen. And then he tells us, lead us not. So notice his word, forgive us. Now here's the thing in, in our text. Look at Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. After we've, after the invocation, after we've had a time of worship in our relationship, and we know we're saved, he's our daddy. Woo, we've been born again. If you had an earthly daddy that treated you like a dog, good news, you got one that'll treat you like a king and make you one to boot. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you and lay down his life for you. Amen. But when you get done worshiping, then you can give your petition. Notice this right here. So we've embraced the tenderness. We've entreated the throne. Now we can enjoy the taste of getting our prayer answered. Oh, it tastes good to get things done. I'm telling you, there's a family aspect to this prayer. Notice he says this again, this plural, give us. You say, what's the big deal about that preacher? I used to think there wasn't no big deal neither till this morning. And then it dawned on me. Do you know the difference in give us and give me? Here's what give me will get you. Go in your mind, Luke 15. What that prodigal son? Give me the portion of goods. The only person he's thinking about is me. But when you can pray, give us, you're putting <laughs> you're putting your family, you're putting in your neighbor, you're putting your great God in heaven. You're not just asking for you. It's not just about you. Woo! You've already worshipped. It's about him. But it's about everybody around you. Oh man, no man lives to himself or dies to himself. Y'all know that. Hey man, give us, not give me. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, notice about this pattern of prayer. Our wishes should be moderate. Ma'am, we in teaching mode tonight. Our wishes should be moderate. He says, give us this day. Now, if that had been me telling everybody else how to pray, Lord, if you don't care, <laughs> you know how many days I'm going to live. Go ahead and just set it all up for me. Let me just walk by the store shelves and just, whoa, hires next year's and next year's and 10 years down the road. But that ain't what God says. Notice what he said. We got to be, our wishes should be moderate. The prayer was not just for, We'd say, give us the money to pay our bills. Give us the car to take. That, that ain't what he said. He said, give us bread. Just the necessities. Oh, God. Just the necessities. If we'll ask for that, God will take care of everything else. Great God in heaven. Give us this, this. Give us this day. Our daily bread. So the wishes should be moderate bread. But as I said earlier, should be limited to one meal. To the day's meal. Give us this day our daily bread. One place in Luke says day by day. You can't get yesterday's bread. You can only get today's bread. You can't get tomorrow's bread. Illustration, children of Israel coming out. Every day what happened? God put a tablecloth of dew 
and then sip honey biscuits on it. White, like coriander seed, wafers, taste like honey. Y'all say what you want, that's honey biscuits, amen. God gave them manna, angels' food. One man of God said, put the angels on half rations, take care of his people. He didn't even have to do that, but I like that thought, amen. I'll tell you what he did every day. You couldn't gather, but enough for that day. If you tried to get too much, it'd get worms in it. You had to go back and get it tomorrow. And guess who had to go get it? Daddies had to go get it. God help us to be the spirit spiritual leaders of our home. Amen. Limited to one day. Why, preacher? Y'all remember this? Deuteronomy 22. I was reading my, my daily scripture. And I got over there, Deuteronomy 22, studying this message. Man, the Lord hit me like a ton of bricks. That smallest of commandments. Y'all remember the gospel in the bird's nest. That smallest of commandments. If you happen upon a dam sitting upon the nest, let the dam go and eat the, eat the eggs. It's a picture of man's depravity. God has to limit man. It's the picture of God's sovereignty. Hey, he's saying I'm controlling the situation. It's a picture of salvation. That mama hen had to be removed off them eggs just like Jesus wanted to gather us. <laughs> hey, what he's saying is when we pray, we got to ask moderately for bread, for the necessities. Just ask for one. God will take care of everything else. He knows what you have need of before you ever ask it. But if what we need to do is pray for the bare necessities, wine preacher, we're saying to God, I can't even eat. I am totally dependent upon you. I told Miss Rhonda every chance she gets put on that sign out there where it says Landerman Independent Baptist Church and you can put letters under it. Put on there dependent on God. Hey I'm telling you we are a dependent church. We are a dependent people and what he's saying is you're telling God of your complete dependence upon him. But when he limits us to a daily portion he's showing us He's got to constrain us. There is a depravity about us. Boy, I know there is. I'm glad he left. But listen to this. Prayer not only should be moderate, should be, uh, we are to be limited. But the pattern of prayer, notice I've already said it. Our, our, our prayer should be distributed. Give us this day our. All through there. Give us. It says it again daily. Our daily bread. Lord, if you'll give it to me, I'll make sure everybody else around me is fed. I'm going to tell you, if you, there's two kind of peoples in this world. The givers and the takers. The givers always, I'm talking about them that are in servant jobs or, or, or have a mentality uh, in church and in their community that they want to help other people or be a blessing to other people, they always are the happiest people to be around. I'm going to tell you, I want to be that kind of person. Notice this. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Here, here's something I never thought about, Brother Crystal, this morning. In this prayer, this is the only clause that deals with our material needs. Everything else in this prayer is spiritual. As if to say, it's all right to tell God we've got some material things that we need, but the focus should be spiritual.
I'll go so far as to say this. One man of God, I believe it was Brother John Gill, was leading behind, and uh, Spurgeon read behind him, so I believe I'll read behind him. And here's what John Gill said. John Gill said it could have alluded to the fact that Jesus is the bread. And you know what's got to happen to bread before you can eat it? It's got to be bruised, and it's got to be baked, and it's got to be broken. Whoa! And then it can provide a blessing. Oh, I'm glad Jesus was bruised. He was broken. His body was gave so that we could have life. Maybe it is to ask for that bread, a picture of our necessities, but to also get us in tune for the prayer is altogether spiritual. He's everything we need. I say amen. Amen. He, I'm glad he meets our material needs. He feeds the sparrows. He takes care of the ravens. He sure takes care of us. But then notice this, forgive us. So give us. Amen. Then forgive us. <laughs> Woo! This is our transgressions eliminated. We're, we're banking on it. We're banking on it. We've enjoyed the taste. We've seen the elimination. We're trusting in God to eliminate all our transgressions. Notice what he said. <laughs> forgive us. Verse 12, our debts. There's that plurality again. We're not, we're not just trying to be selfish. We're not saying it's just me and mine. I, I, I want to say it one more time. I say it all the time. If being saved no longer blesses you, if sinning don't bother you, if souls going to hell don't burden you, then you've compromised. Your love is cold and you need to get stirred up again. You've backslid on God. Say amen. God help us. It ought to be more about, it ought to be more than just our family. We ought to be concerned about the world. But let me say, and this is soberly, let me say this soberly. Noah preached 120 years while the ark was preparing. I want to re-preach on Noah's wife, but I love that woman. Name's not mentioned. Just called Noah's wife five times. Boy, thank you. She must have found grace too. Amen. But one thing I love, she stood faithful to a man that pastored the smallest church on planet Earth. She stood faithful to a man who the only converts, she was the only one in her generation. He was the only man in his generation. The only converts that got saved was three sons in the next generation, which was her own children. And there was three girls that she influenced to get saved in that next generation. They married uh, her three sons. Eight people is all that's in the church, amen, at the time when the flood came. I believe Enoch was there, but he quit paying tithes one day because he went to the house. Somebody say amen. Amen, Methuselah, every time he sneezed and the th they scared to death the flood's gonna come and finally the oldest man that ever lived and died died and the oldest man that's still living he's gone and there's eight people left and God said come on get on this ark I'm already in here I want y'all to come inside the ark I'm gonna ride this out and I'm gonna say go from the ark hey I'm simply saying it like this brother Chris no matter what goes on if there's one thing I can say that Noah succeeded made it into the book of the faithful in Hebrews 11 and as far as we know only his family got saved don't save the world and won't them saved and let your family go to hell somebody say amen
if you can only get a hold of your family, then get a hold of them. He, but praise God, we ought to have a desire to see them all. He said, forgive us. Forgive us. Bread is the first need of the body, but forgiveness is the first need of the soul in our prayer. Man, we need, it's not just about bread, a daily bread. It's about a daily pardon. It's not just about getting saved and getting born again. I'm not saying you got to get saved every day. You get saved once. He's the author of eternal salvation. What he does is eternal. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken away from it. If God gave you eternal life, it's yours. The devil can't take your name out of the book. I say hallelujah. I'm glad you say, but, but, oh, can I say this? Every single day, we've got to die. Every Every day we've got to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Every day we need forgiveness. Every day. And the Bible says, according to our text, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The evidence that we've been saved. I'm going to put it like this. The evidence we've been forgiven is we automatically forgive others. I said what he said, Martin Luther. If you've repented, you can forgive. If you've not repented, you won't be forgiven. Because God don't forgive a non-repented sinner. But if you'll repent, you get forgiveness, you'll give forgiveness. You realize how much you are forgave and you can't help but forgive others. Amen, I believe that. I know that for Christ's sake we've been forgiven. But when we say forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, here's what we're saying. Lord, we're acknowledging our mistakes, our sins, our debts. We're acknowledging that other people has done us wrong. But God, we're asking you to forgive us just like we've forgiven other people. You say, preacher, they don't deserve forgiving. I didn't say they did, but you didn't either. Amen. I didn't either. You didn't either. Might as well say Amen. I know you got to watch them. You got to mark them. Amen. That cause division. Hey, I preached that message one time. Hair lipped the devil. They put it on the radio. Hair lipped everybody. Amen. That's mad because I preached on kick the hypocrite out. That's what the book says. If he claims to be a brother and is living in fornication, kick him out. Hey, so that he can repent. The deal is not to keep him out. It's to see he's wrong, him repent, be restored, and you can go to heaven together. But for God's sake, don't pat him on the back. Let him die and go to hell. Help us, Lord. Y'all know I'm right, amen. I'm gonna tell you, I, let me just say this. Y'all, I love preaching on these five nails. These five nails at Calvary. One in the left hand. One in the right hand, one through both feet, one that holds, that's the, the three nails of salvation. The fourth nail is sovereignty. He's king. <laughs> hey, it's what the sign that was the truth deeper than the author. Pilate didn't even know it. But he said, This is the king of the ain't that what he said? The picture of his sovereignty. Oh, but I sure am glad there's one more nail. According to Colossians 2:14. That's that invisible nail. 
He blotted out our transgressions and nailed them to the cross. I'm so glad for that fifth nail. I say hallelujah. And if that fifth nail took care of my debt, y'all know what that picture means. Wasn't it back in them olden times? I'm about to have a running fit. Back in them older times. Thank God when that man had a debt and they couldn't pay it. Praise God. Somebody come up, paid a man's debt. They go out to the post and nail paid in full. And everybody come by and say, I wonder who paid it. I wonder who paid Well, I want to tell you, at Calvary one day, praise God, it said, paid in full. That was for me. That was for you. I say, hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Forgive us. Amen. Then he says this. Amen. I got to move on. Then he says us in uh, verse 13. And lead us. Not, there he is, plural again, not just about me, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Can y'all, can y'all give me five more minutes? Can you say amen? All right, listen, deliver us. He said, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever, amen. You see, preacher, there is a temptation, <laughs> a throne to entreat. Woo! But there's a temptation that needs to be escaped. That's what it says. Lead us not into temptation. I'm going to remind you of a verse, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. If you've got forgiveness, I'm, you ought to nail this down in your mind. You were forgiven freely. Didn't cost you nothing. Cost Jesus his life. Buried third day, got up. Sits at the right hand. Makes intercession for you. Paid your debt freely. You was forgiven freely. You was forgiven fully. God don't have a layaway plan. God don't partially save you. He fully saves you. Say amen. But it was finally, it's done. And because I'm forgiven, I want to live that way. I want to produce to this world a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How can I do that? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you? I'm glad he is faithful who will not serve you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. We need not only food, we need forgiveness, but we need deliverance from the foe. We need forgiveness. Amen. We need food, but we need deliverance from the foe. James 1.13 reminds us that when we're tempted, we're not tempted of God. For he cannot be tempted by evil, neither tempteth he any man. Have protection. We need delivered from outward sin. We need to be delivered from inward sin. Outward sin that leads us astray. And inward sin that wants us to go astray. We don't need to be enticed. That's that fisherman's turn. You can put it like this in a threefold fact. Deliverance from the guilt of sin. What's behind us? Deliverance from the solicitation Solicitation uh, to sin that's around us and delivered us from the fountain of sin that's within our old stinking flesh. 
I need deliverance from the past. I need deliverance right now. I need deliverance in the future. I need deliverance. God, don't lead me into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Now, this word temptation has kind of a twofold thing. He says, lead us not into temptation. That's talking about trials and sufferings. The prayer is like Jesus, if it be possible, this cup not I'm not praying out of the cross. We're not praying out of storms. We're just praying, God, teach me something in the storm. The psalmist said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You'll be honest. You'll have to admit we learn more in troubled times and in trials. Y'all know I'm right. In them hard spaces, it seems like God says he's a very present help. I don't know how you can get more present than present, but he said when troubles come, I'll be very present. I say amen. I need him very present. I need to know that he delivers me from trials and suffering and deliver us from evil. Take us out of the temptation or the allurement of sin. I'm going to put it like this. He's teaching them to pray. Pray for deliverance from sin, from temptation, from evil. Persistent prayer keeps me from sinning. Or persistent sinning keeps me from prayer. Which one is it in your life? Them disciples said, Lord, I don't want sinning to keep me from praying. I don't even, I'm not even sure I know how to pray. They said, look, embrace that tenderness of the family. Entreat the throne. Hallelujah. Expect, thank God, deliverance. I say amen. Escape the temptation. Here's why I'm saying. We can't deliver ourselves. But he can deliver us. <laughs> this word deliver us, this word deliver us carries the idea of a military, it's a military tone. Carries this idea of being triumphant over our enemies. Uh, the word evil speaks of depravity. In other words, evil is anything that is against God's will, his way, his word. God alone can deliver us. But thank God we can do some things to prevent our temp. By the way, the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Hey man, don't make no provision for the flesh. Don't provide an environment for your flesh to fail you. If you know you're weak, stay away from it. Somebody say, y'all know I'm right. Amen. God help us. And then lastly, there's a voice of petition. There's a voice of invocation. And there's a voice of recognition. Seth, you come on. Notice what it says. For thine 